Happy holidays from Ew, That's Creepy podcast. In this episode, Jackie tells Melissa about a few different Christmas goblins and ghouls. And to finish, she will share a true story about a paranormal Christmas present. Let's get creepy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Ooh, That's Creepy podcast. Today we are here and we're going to be talking about another holiday type of episode, especially since Christmas is right around the corner if you celebrate Christmas and we are halfway through December. Last year we did Christmas killings and I remember the stories were crazy. I remember I talked about the case where the brothers were communicating in Star Wars code after when they were trying to commit a murder. What the hell? But this time Jackie and I wanted to do just something a little more relaxed maybe. Yeah especially since lately we've done a lot of true crime episodes that have been pretty heavy um so we decided to take it down a notch for once taking it down a crime notch spooking it up on the paranormal notch so today i'm going to be talking about some spiritual holiday tales i'll say oh and these actually are not from the u.s so oh yeah we're gonna go in around the world And the first thing we're going to be talking about is, I just know I'm going to butcher this name, but we're going to try. They are called Calacantzaros, and they are mischievous goblins. They're mischievous Greek goblins. Oh, so we're talking about, like, Krampus-like beings. Yeah, stuff (gasps) like that, you know. Supernatural Christmas That's so funny you say that because I almost started a show on Netflix last night called Elves and it was, I think, Swedish or maybe Finnish, but either way, it wasn't American and it was a series about a family going on a Christmas vacation in a cabin and it's scary and I believe they get haunted by killer elves. Well, it could be based off of a real life, like, festive tale because that's kind of a common thing is like mischievous little elves or goblins or gnomes Ew. yeah i don't like it but these ones as tales say come to the surface of the earth during the 12 days of christmas from the end of december until the 6th of january and when they're on earth they're here to cause all sorts of trouble and mischief <laughs> sounds like you a little christmas goblin (laughs) and then legends say that on the 6th of january uh greek priests would go through the homes and bless them with holy water and fresh basil which would ward off the little goblins the basil would do all that i guess so that fresh basil (laughs) was all they needed the 12 days 
like those 12 days in between Christmas and January 6th are known as the winter solstice. It's also called just Yuletide or Yule. Yule! (laughs) (laughs) And for the rest of the year, these little Greek goblins live at the center of the earth where they spend their time using a large saw to cut down the tree of life that holds up the world. How does one know that? I don't know. It's actually scary when it's so scary when you think about it. They're just down there 300 some days of the year trying to kill us, viciously sawing at our trees of life. Yeah, they're said to be small, black, male. <laughs> I guess there are no female. Oh, mostly blind with long black tails. They speak with a lisp and eat small creatures like worms and snails. they only come out at night and they're afraid of the sun fire and holy water and they will enter homes in any way that they can so through windows or chimneys but they're blind yeah i guess so and they can only come out in the dark Mm-hmm. And they have lisps. Like, I don't they're know like how. the least scary demonic being I've ever heard of. I don't think they're demonic. They're just like little goblins. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I shouldn't classify them as that. Mischievous. Yeah. Mischievous little goblins. But they are known to be like rather stupid. So <laughs> it's not that hard to keep them away. Like, there were various stories that just said there are numerous ways that you can keep them away. And one thing is that. They don't know how to count to three. Oh my god. So if you leave a colander on your doorstep, they will count the holes all night because they can't get past two. Wait, why do I feel bad for them now? Oh my god, they're there to wreak havoc in your home. (laughs) Sorry. And they spend all year trying to cut down the tree of life. Yeah, you're right. The empath and me felt bad with the colander thing, but when you put it like that, I don't as much. You can also just mark your door with a black cross on Christmas Eve. But they're blind, so how would they know? I don't know. That's a good point. Another thing they said is that you should burn a smelly shoe on the fire and the foul smell will keep them away. <laughs> like, And it will also keep stink up your home. Yeah, why can't we just go back to the fresh basil? I don't know. I don't know why, yeah, he the priest j- couldn't just come sooner. But regardless, <laughs> they're gone by the 6th of January, where they go back to the center of the earth. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Because I was running out of stinky shoes. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing we're going to talk about is... In Scotland, what was known as a witch ball. Oh. Back in the day. That sounds fun. People used to wear them around their necks to ward off witches. It it was like, honestly, it looked like a Christmas ornament. And that's what inspired the modern Christmas ornament was the witch ball. Whoa. So it was like a hollow sphere of plain or stained glass that you could just hang somewhere like in your windows in your home or you could wear it around your neck wow it was believed that if a witch touched one 
their soul would be caught within the ball forever. <gasps> Did anyone, I would need to know if anyone in town had a witch soul in their witch ball. Oh, I bet someone like, you know, said they did. First date. Look what I have in my little witch ball. <laughs> I have a witch soul. <laughs> and the balls allegedly ward off evil spirits, witches, spells, or ill fortune. By tradition, usually the witch ball was green or blue. You could also, I mean, usually it was, like, made out of glass, but you could make it out of wood or grass or just something else. And they were decorated in enameled swirls. Not always, but sometimes people would decorate them. How did you make it out of grass? I don't know. I really don't know. Wood. I don't know. But clearly these evolved into the beautiful modern Christmas ornaments that we see today. And according to one ancient tale, the ornament was originally placed on the Christmas tree to dispel a visitor's envy at the presents left under the tree. What? So someone was jealous of presents and... Someone put a witch ball up there to dispel their jealousy. Wow. That's what they say about Christmas ornaments. Imagine the drama at the Christmas party. Like, Sister Sarah is looking far too envious at my presence. <laughs> I know. That's it. I'm I'm putting the ball on the tree. I'm putting the witch ball up. And then everyone loved it. Oh, I love that story. Mistletoe was also considered, like, a powerful charm that you could use against witches, which I thought was cool. Mistletoe? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Get it, mistletoe. So now we're going to talk about two Christmas witches. The first is the people of Iceland have their type of Christmas witch who is kind of scary. Name Her name is Gryla. I believe that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> oh. And she is traditionally depicted as a fearsome ogress who lives in the mountains of Iceland and she comes down from her home to snatch up misbehaving children. Oh my god. And then she throws them into her sack and <gasps> takes them back to her home where she turns them into stew. Oh wow. That mm-hmm. sounds like literally a tale that Dwight would tell in the office when he tells about his grandmother and she always told them the scary tales and they'd have names. That sounds exactly like one he would tell. Yeah, it is creepy. And they say that she will descend upon homes with a knife or a sword. Jesus. And she will punish children who whined and cried about missing meat during the Lent season. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. But she's clearly a scary figure. Some tales do also say that she had the team of like her own little evil beings that would do things with her and then people also said that she had a husband who enjoyed uh the meals that Gryla would prepare made from children Ew. gross yeah that's actually really scary yeah and other legends say that she also had her own children who were sometimes called the yule lads <laughs> why did they get such a happy name and she's Gryla yeah, but then Gryla 
also adopted the Yule Cat, which is another Icelandic holiday uh, figure that abducts people who haven't been given new clothes on Christmas was one thing I read. So the people who don't receive new clothes get abducted? That's what a grunge article said, so take that as you will. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. The Yule Lads are menacing, and they're known to kind of, like, mess with your belongings and slam your doors and just be more mischievous. But apparently the tales were very, very creepy, uh, obviously, and in 1746, this is how long ago this was, Icelandic parents were banned from frightening their children with tales of Garila <laughs> and Yule Lads. Oh my gosh, I wish there was a written record of what one of the stories back then sounded like. I know, I kind of do too, because I need to know. They should make a movie out of that. They should. That is almost scarier than Krampus, a witch wielding a weapon, taking your child in a sack, Mm -hmm. and going home to feast upon him with their potential husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On a brighter note, there is a Christmas type witch known as Bafana from Italy, who leaves sweets for well-behaved children. Uh. But... If you're bad, she also swoops down and takes misbehaving children and feeds them to her husband. So a little bit of similarities there. Oh. And she is kind of like Santa in that she enters and exits the chimney. Via the chimney, you know. She comes and goes by chimney. Yeah. She's also a dedicated housekeeper and always has her broom with her. And it's said that she uses her broom to sweep away the problems of the year in every home. Oh my gosh. But she'll also hit you if she catches you looking at her. (laughs) I can't tell if she's menacing or just grandma, but I feel like, not our grandma, a grandma, but I feel like she has to be menacing if one of her purposes is also eating children. They say she looks like a grandma and has a big nose. Why does every witch have to have a large nose? I don't know, but we're going to talk about another one that also has a big nose. <laughs> another Christmas witch? Yeah. Her name is Farao Perchta, also known sometimes as Birchta. <laughs> She's also basically like an older woman with a big nose, dress, dressed in rags, and sometimes is carrying a cane. Big Birch. <laughs> yep. She is known specifically for coming to you if you have not spun all your flax by January 6th. <laughs> what and does she, that mean? I don't know, because this was like an old-time Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, so she was known to punish like lazy women who wouldn't finish their weaving and stuff like that and <gasps> if your flax was not spun. <laughs> But it was darker in that if your house was a total mess or if you did not leave out the traditional bowl of porridge that you were supposed (laughs) to leave her, then she would disembowel you and replace your guts with rocks and straws. (gasps) Oh. Mm -hmm. That went very dark. It did. It did go real quick. 
There should be a movie, The Three Witches of Christmas, and all of them can have their own thing. That would be cool. And one thing that I thought was cool that they said was that she's known for something called the Legend of the Wild Hunt, where <laughs> she flies through the night sky with an army of lost souls. And the legend says that if you hear wind and thunder roaring and rumbling through the mountain during that time, you know, between December and January, you're hearing the sounds of Perchta leading the wild hunt. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. What is their purpose? What is their conquest? I'm not sure, really. They just fly together and be lost. Maybe cause chaos. Well, maybe be found for a short period of time. Yeah. <laughs> but that's her. Those are the Christmas witches. Oh, this is such a fun episode. And then it is going to be a short episode because we just have one more thing to talk about. But, you know, we wanted to give you guys a little bit more Christmas spook. There can only be so many Christmas goblins. This one is not a Christmas goblin. This is just a straight up Christmas story of someone who had a little Christmas haunting by a haunted present? What? Yep. <laughs> I like how you're just throwing this in there, too. Yeah, this can just be thrown in there, too. This isn't, you know, different than a spiritual Christmas <laughs> folklore. But you guys are getting a little Christmas ghost story because I found it. Yay. And so it goes here. <laughs> it belongs, Okay. <laughs> And I swear to God, if anyone exits out on the podcast right now... You're not a true paranormal believer. The three witches of Christmas are literally on their way. Coming via to come for you. broom, via <laughs> chimney. They're coming. They're in your home. They're in your wall. So, this is a story, a little story of a woman named Whitney Merritt. And after Christmas... She had received a gift. It was a vintage doll carrier that her mother had gotten from a friend of a friend Ugh. that they had given as a gift to Whitney's daughter. And after they got it, Whitney said that they started hearing weird things. It started with knocking on the walls. And it kind of started around in January. They would hear... At first, quiet knocking, but then it just grew louder and louder. And on two different occasions, Whitney actually went outside because she thought someone was, like, at the front door of her home. Whoa. It obviously scared her, and especially because her husband, Michael, worked at nights. So he wasn't there, which I would be scared, too. I swear to God, there are so many paranormal stories where their husband's a truck driver or he worked at night or he was a firefighter and we'd be gone for three days in a row. I know. I'm like, what the heck? And they had recently moved into this home. So it was kind of like you wouldn't just expect something paranormal, you know, like you might expect. Is it the home? Is it settling? That's yeah. always what they say. Is the home settling? <laughs> <laughs> but... By the third or fourth night of, like, the knocks and stuff, she said that it just got louder, especially in the attic, and it was more just, like, really loud booms. So then there was starting to be not many logical reasons for it. There were also sounds above the living room when they would be in the living room, and it could just, like, be no longer ignored. It was that loud. And one weekend, Michael even went up 
into the attic with a shotgun and a flashlight, oh. but nobody was there. Oh, damn. Yeah, it was getting crazy. And the second week of all of this activity, it kind of got even worse. And Whitney said that she woke up one night around 2 or 3 in the morning from a dead sleep. And she heard a noise so loud that she thought that their dog had, like, crashed through the door or had done something. So she grabbed her handgun and walked around the home and looked around for stuff. Whitney walked around her room to see if she could find anything, but she did not see anything at all. And in the next morning, when she walked into the kitchen, she saw a plastic bag on the ground that had coffee mugs that she had recently purchased. And it was the bag was like three to four feet away from the table and the mugs were broken. And she just thought that there was clearly no way it could have just fallen off in the middle of the night like that, you know. She assumed that was what she heard, and there was just no way two mugs and a bag on the on the counter would have just fallen off randomly in the middle of the night. Yeah, and it, usually dogs don't jump up on tables unless there's food, and if yeah. the dog would, the bag wouldn't be three to four feet away. It'd be broken right under the table or really close to it. Yeah. And the next night, she heard another bang around 3.30 in the morning, And she went into the kitchen and she found another bag on the floor with a shattered mug inside. A different mug? Yeah. Oh my god. Whitney began sweeping it up and putting it in the trash can and she started walking back to her bedroom when she said that she heard the sound of someone dropping silverware into the sink. Oh my god. She wasn't even back to her bedroom yet when it happened, so I'm sure she was very very scared yeah that just gave me chills yeah and she had she knew that she had just done the ditches but she went back and looked and there was nothing in the sink (gasps) and she was really really creeped out what is what's worse there being nothing in the sink or being the spoon slash fork that you heard oh man I would want it to be there because then at least I could justify it being there. But I don't know if it wasn't. I'd want it to not so I could just act like it didn't happen. <laughs> but you know it did. <laughs> but I can tell myself it didn't. Ugh. In the weeks after that, there were things that happened to the children's rooms and their toys, such as Whitney's daughter's dream catcher and lamp fell to the floor like multiple times. Oh. Whitney and Michael went to investigate it one night, and when they were walking back to their bedroom, the bathroom door slammed behind them. And they thought it was one of the children at first, but the light wasn't on for their children's rooms, so... They were sleeping? Yeah. Oh, God. And they tried to figure out why the door would just shut, but they really had no logical explanation. The next day, the family was in the living room, and one of the children's toy cars started playing music and going off, and they checked it, but the toy's power was turned off. (gasps) Ew. It's, like, constant now, almost every day. Yeah. One of your prezies was haunted. I know. Another day, Whitney was sweeping up in the kitchen, and... She thought that she saw Michael walk into the kitchen to make himself some coffee. So she asked him something and he ignored her. And when she said it again, she walked into the kitchen after him, but no one was there. 
And she went back to the bedroom and Michael was asleep. Why? Oh my God. This is seriously the the worst. The scariest thing ever when there's ghost paranormal stories and they think they see their significant other and they don't. It always makes me think of some skinwalker shit and it just freaks me out so bad. Same. It really does freak me out too. Ew, the story is really creepy. Yeah. And it all came to a head one day when Whitney said that something happened to Michael. She had gone to the grocery store with her daughter and her son was at school. Michael was the only one home and Whitney got a call around 1230 and Michael asked if their son was home and Whitney said no, he was at school. And when Whitney got home, Michael explained that he was in bed when he had heard the front door close and that he had heard his son's door close and that he began began hearing knocking on the walls. Oh. He called out his son's name a couple of times and there was no answer. And then he got up and walked to his son's room where the bedroom light was on and the Xbox was on and a bottle of water was actively dripping on the floor. (gasps) Ew. Oh my God. The story is so creepy. And at that point, I'm just like going to a cafe for the rest of the day. (laughs) I know. I would be terrified. And at that point when Whitney got home, Whitney and Michael really just sat down and discussed what was happening. And they just understood that something paranormal was wrong And they both kind of just realized that the baby carriage was, like, the first, like, the only thing new in the home. So, they did remove it from the home and post it on Facebook Marketplace for $65. And they did disclose that it was haunted. But after they removed it from the home, no activity occurred. Who bought it? They don't know. Uh, I'm not sure, but they did find out later on that it had belonged to, like, the owner's husband. No, it had belonged to somebody, and that person's husband had died, like, recently in a motorcycle motorcycle accident, so they thought that maybe somehow energy could have been tied to it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he looked similar to Whitney's husband and she saw his ghost. It's just strange because, I don't know, I feel like, I mean, what the hell do I know about the paranormal? But I always feel like in stories where someone passed and then they come through an object, they like make it known that there's a purpose or something. It's It almost seems more poltergeist activity with the knocking. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely really weird. Like, but it obviously had to do something with the baby carriage if they removed it. Yeah, definitely. I just wonder now who has that out there in the abyss. I know. And if it's paranormal to them, too. Send that to the Warrens Museum. R.I.P. the Warrens. Love them. But send that to their museum. Agreed. That was a really good episode, Jack. I like that one a lot. Thank you. And I hope all of you guys did, too. I think my favorite part of that was those, like, Kazis, the little goblins that were kind of oh stupid. Oh, my God. Yeah, the... Mischievous, stupid little dumb goblins. Dumb little Greek goblins that would wreak havoc, and you had to burn a smelly shoe to keep them away. In this day and age, you hit up your Bath and Body Works for the smelly shoe candle around that time of the year. Right? I'm sure they don't come anywhere nowadays because <laughs> the smell. Get your fresh basil from HelloFresh. <laughs> right? But 
we hope you guys are having a great December, no matter what you guys are celebrating, if or if you guys are celebrating nothing at all. We hope you guys are obviously staying safe out there and warm if it is cold wherever you are. Yeah, and let us know if you guys had heard of any of these Christmas little mischievous guys or witches or let us know if in your culture or where you're from, if there is an urban legend or a folk tale about Christmas. I love hearing the old folk tales about Christmas and stuff like that. It's so fun. So I agree. Let us know if you guys have heard of anything else that's spooky and holiday oriented. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Christmas harmony. (laughs) Oh, that was fun. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ew, That's Creepy Podcast. Or send us an email at ew, that's creepypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.